Welcome and good afternoon and good evening to those across the country and the world watching to Rebel News Daily Livestream. And we can give you the best link to that every single day at rebelnews.com slash livestream. I am Andrew. You are who again? I am Dakota Christensen. That's fair. That's what I remembered it to be. And if you want to interact with Dakota Christensen. The one and only. <laughs> on Rumble and Odyssey, we can take your paid chats. Um, YouTube demonetized us, so we can't take it there, unfortunately. Demonetize all our channels. You know that all too well, Dakota. So if you want to send a Rumble rant or an Odyssey hyper chat, you can do so. We'll answer your questions, comments, read anything you want on air. I don't even look at what it is before I read it, Dakota. Just like nope. Anchorman, I just go with whatever. So if it's something about San Diego, then I'll still read it. You're like a regular Joe Biden. Yeah, I didn't want to swear this early into the broadcast, <laughs> so I didn't. Um, we've got lots of stuff to cover, Dakota, both here and abroad, from the Netherlands to the offices of the Conservative Party in Ontario and in the rest of the country. But let's just get down and dirty into it with sneaky Patrick Brown, shall we? Good old sneaky Patrick Brown. Big headline coming out last night. Patrick Brown disqualified mm -hmm. the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership race. It's, um, you know, it's always funny for me to watch Patrick Brown. I think he's the worst politician in the country. Not in the sense that he's got the worst views. I'm sure he's got some views that are better than Christy of Freeland. But he is possibly the least skilled at being a politician. I, I think the main issue is that it's impossible to know his views. I don't think he himself knows mm. his views other than serving himself. As in his position on literally every issue, I feel like, has changed at least four or five times on the public record. So there's really no knowing what's going through his head because you can't believe a word out of his mouth. I keep getting this, you know, like 1990s Charlie Sheen bang coming down here. I'm trying to... If Bear with me, everyone, while I correct this as best yeah, as I can with sorry, my hand comb. Yeah, we're going to have to comb. stop the show. Make sure. Can we get the hair and makeup crew in here? Uh, producers, please. Yes. My hand comb. Patrick Brown disqualified, as Sheila wrote up yesterday. Now, there isn't a definitive reason. They said, I believe it was financial uh, something or other. Want to scroll yeah. down there? I, I think they just said there are allegations of misconduct that are breaking the rules. Serious allegations of wrongdoing by the Patrick Brown campaign that appear mm. to violate the financial provisions mm. of the Canada Elections Act. So we don't know exactly what it, it exactly what it was. We have our own thoughts, as everyone I'm sure does. But I want to point out that after David Menzies and TV's Lincoln Jay went and went to their headquarters where he had allegedly people from the city working <laughs> for him on his campaign, whether that's voluntarily, on a volunteer status, an unpaid status, um, let's not say anything that's going to get Andrew Says into trouble. Um, it's all alleged right now until it comes out. But we'd like to think that at least some of the stuff that was on that tape rose questions amongst mm -hmm. people. I know that a few days later, Patrick or sorry, Pierre Polyev's crew started looking into things. And mm -hmm. as such, so did the um, Conservative Party, I'd imagine, because he's probably going to be leaving it soon. Um, and all the, they started asking questions. I know Pierre posted about it. And all of a sudden, a few weeks later, you know, David Menzies rises again. David and, Menzies uh, rises again. Sneaky Patrick Brown, the sneakypatrick.com website lives on. It's where I went last night to get mm -hmm. the story. I, I don't think we have the doc. I think it's only sneaky. You think it's just .ca. .ca? I think it's just .ca. I don't know .ca. about that. Producer Olivia, can we confirm? I could be wrong. I, I feel like sneakypatrick.com seems like it's, you know, We're about enough. to find out know. right now. Yeah, do it live on. How on many Sneaky Patrick websites can there be? 
I don't know. That's a great question. But also, for those of you who may possibly be so unfamiliar, Sneaky Patrick, this is this is not his first SneakyPatrick.com, Dakota. Is it there? Wow, yes. okay. Because I know .ca for sure. That's good to know. We have both. .com and .ca yes. leading to all the scandals of Sneaky Patrick Brown. That's where I went to go find the video. Rink. Yes. Hockey rink is the, the golden one, the, mm -hmm. the best of where he's breaking his own lockdown rules. There's all his PC, Ontario PC party sketchy stuff uh, that he was doing when uh, he was leader of the Ontario PC party. The event Lincoln Jay went to where mm. some random guy was telling him that he was being mean, I guess. And then stuff like this where you can see yeah. Patrick Brown with this, the red circle denoting his shock. His shock, <laughs> his, his shame. Um, can uh, we put some of that up on screen, particularly the part where David Menzies goes into the unlocked building <laughs> where the doings yes. are transpiring and shows their board of plans sneaky patrick sneaky plans and i just want to yeah. point out some stuff on there and uh we can't draw anything from it other than hearsay and speculation in the court of law dakota christensen but we can show it to you and you can determine for yourself what you think it means yes the whiteboard here let's blow that up yeah. please olivia the sneaky patrick web of so he goes into this conspiracy. unlocked building um nobody's there there's some people back there, but nobody at the reception. So in a building, I believe, Dakota, where nobody's manning the thing, um, you're not yeah. trespassing, as David Menzies, David Menzies has committed no crimes. Yeah. And they just have this board in it's this unlocked board. building. Look at all that. Now, the if you pause, I'm not saying for you to pause, Olivia, but if the viewers, well, sure, if the viewers pause and zoom in on some of the stuff, you can see like they have stuff like Generation Z plans. Mm. But then they say the ages are like 28 to 35 or something like that. And I'm like, I'm not sure you know what the generations yeah. are. Or Gen X plan. It was one of the others. He got the generations wildly wrong. And whoever it is. Tim Hortons. Of course. Whatever his marketing guru's plan was, was wildly off because it was stuff like do Facebook <laughs> ads, do social media posts. Yeah. So it's like you got somebody off the street uh, that, and Probably a teenage girl could have done another job. Now, Patrick Brown's campaign advisor is working in this building. Who knows what he's doing there, Dakota? But uh, he's in this building, not in the city where Pat Patrick Brown is mayor. Um, I think it's safe to assume that doing work, I don't know what I can say and what I cannot say, but there's a board there with Patrick Brown's plan, and there's mm -hmm. people that work for him in the building. That's what I'm going to say. I have no special knowledge. I'm not, I didn't go with David Menzies, so. This is fair. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty clear, you know, Dave Menzies keeps calling his secret campaign office. Mm -hmm. He does have City of Brampton employees there. Whether or not they're still on the City of Brampton payroll is what we're not certain on. Some of them replied to David and said that, no, we've taken yes. leave absence. This is just us volunteering our own time, though that is still suspect. You know, that's what they've said. So, and some didn't reply at all. He's sneaky, Dakota. S sneaky Patrick. And David Menzies always doing his due diligence, asked those people ahead of mm -hmm. time, and it turns out that they were at the office when they said they were not involved with anything. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And I just love to laugh at whatever Patrick Brown thinks to himself at night. And he's just like, that damn Menzies again. <laughs> I mean, what happens in that video, Dakota, uh. is so funny. Um, they notice that uh, David Menzies is trying to interview him. Yep. They drive around into a parking lot hoping they'll lose him. The parking lot's a dead end, so they just have to come back yep. out and pass by them. And then David Menzies goes to um, interview him. They walk into a police station and try to get him arrested for harassment, yep. as if, like, paparazzi and news people don't exist that, you know, seek out interviews of people. And then while they're there, 
David and Lincoln just go back to the other building. Like Patrick <laughs> Brown doesn't even think to call and just be like, there's reporters uh, trying to get interviews with us. Maybe t be on the lookout for them coming back to the building we were just at. But no, yeah, they nope. don't call ahead. They don't think of anything. Patrick Brown's like team gives him no advice. Maybe they all dislike him. I don't know. It seems like that might be the case, in my opinion. Just like mm -hmm. with the hockey rink stuff, his yeah. excuse is that he's being harassed every time. And he's got no good answers for anything. What are yeah. you doing in a city facility? Yeah. And then his, his go-to is just call my closest friends at the police force to do something about this for me because yeah. I'm untouchable. Call the, call the police. And then when people, when other reporters outside of Rebel News bring this up saying, hey, you know, Rebel News reported on this. They exposed you doing this. What do you have to say about that stuff? You were caught doing red-handed. Oh, well, that's the conspiracy theorists over mm -hmm. at Rebel.media. You know, we can't believe anything they say. I'm like, okay, believe your lying eyes, my friends. The cameras do not lie. Olivia, so. how many Twitter followers does Patrick Brown has? I want to see how big his audience actually is. Mm. I want to see his conspiracy theorist, you know, <laughs> lingo at work. How many does that say? What are we looking here? So we got 66,000. 65.4, I think. 65,000 yeah. of his loyalist followers and probably a lot that aren't loyal to him at all or fans of his at all, like producer Efron um, and 63 others that we follow. Mm. So... <laughs> I don't know. Like, he can say that one and a half million people, um, anywhere between that and uh, Twitter followers of a couple hundred thousand, he can say that many people are conspiracy theorists, mm -hmm. but they're like quadruple the people that f care about what he has to say. Yeah, exactly. He's just, uh, he's a, basically just an awful, spineless politician. <laughs> he's the worst you know? politician in Canada. He's just a slippery snake. I just, every time I see yes. him in an interview, especially recently, I think it was with Lawton, who's doing an, an interview with Andrew Lawton, our good old friend. The other Andrew. That's right. And uh, Uncle Andrew. Uncle, Uncle Andrew, yes. And just I was watching him like respond to some questions he was putting to uh, that Andrew was putting to Patrick Brown. And he just seems like his eyes just seem so soulless. He seems so slippery every time he's responding to like, well, you know, and just spouts off about some reason why whatever uh, Andrew is, is asking about isn't a real issue. It just, I don't he's know. He's going to clip this for his so own crazy. team, and he's going to say that we're accusing him of being a lizard person. See how they talk about me be slippering and slithering? Slippery and slithering. Through the grass. <laughs> and he writes a limerick about it. Uh, and what he's currently doing right now, I our, well, I was about to say our friends of the pointer. I don't think we're exactly friendly with them particularly. With the Patrick Browns? But no, no, the pointer, Brampton's oh. local uh, newspaper okay, there, yes. you know. The pointer, anyways, they've, I just know they've been covering this relentlessly. No friends of Patrick Brown about how he. He's been uh, suspending Brampton City Council, so he doesn't have to be held accountable for not doing any of the stuff he's supposed to be doing as mayor. So uh, that's another fun thing. He's always off running his Conservative Party leadership campaign, calling himself, I'm Mayor Patrick Brown. Oh, yeah, here we are. Yes, here we, he yeah, he canceled his Brampton yeah. City Council meeting facing investigations. Yeah, and he, but the thing is, he's been doing this repeatedly, like, just, like session after session after session, just canceling Brampton City Council because... He can't be bothered to really actually <laughs> run the city because he's busy with his own stuff. So, um, Olivia, do you want to bring up my Twitter there? I think, I mean, this is just speculation at the point in my replies. Um, somebody who purports to be an executive assistant of his mm. uh, claimed that we are being paid by Pierre's team to Ooh. give poor coverage to that. Oh, that's fun. Um, in my replies, past the bug stuff. Talk about conspiracy theories. I mean. Um, it's going to be in my replies. Anyways, I'll send it to you. Uh, and we can get to it after the break. But um, we're going to have a ton of stuff coming from 
the Netherlands. I almost said Deutschland. That's Germany, but <laughs> Dutch, you know. We have a ton of stuff coming from the land of orange, and we don't mean NDP this time. The land of the Dutch. We don't mean jag meat. I just want to shake my mm. hair around like Conan O'Brien. We don't mean jag meat, <laughs> Dakota. Um, but we mean Rebel News coverage for the FarmerRebellion.com in the Netherlands. We're sending people there. We can't tell you who as of yet besides Lewis Brackpool. We have more people going. Producer Efron's on the phone right now mm. coordinating things. Coordinating with the offices <laughs> of the Dutch people to try and get our people in That's the right. door. That's right. He's triangulating Journalistic things. Journalistic uh, passes and exceptions. Things are interjecting and visas, intersecting. You know, a lot of that. hand movements. A lot of big, a lot of small. Um, so we're going to go to break and we're going to come back with some uh, Dutch coverage. And uh, I'm going to find that uh, guy from Patrick Brown's campaign. Mm. Uh, possibly saying illegal things who knows who knows what the law is these days with patrick brown so we'll talk to you guys in a moment rebelnews.com slash live streams stay with us we'll see you after this break we're, apparently we're not going to a break now well momentarily we, we really set that up we but, said that we had um, such a good build up there we will be having an ad break in just a moment still stay with us well because... this is a live show dakota so i'm going to find this guy yeah. for you okay um he's he's claiming to be patrick brown's um, guy. So what I did is I posted that very David Menzies video, mm. and then his name is Yeshua Yunus, and he claims to be the mm. executive assistant to the mayor of Brampton, which is Patrick Brown. And uh, so I'm going to send this to you right now, Olivia, if we can throw it up. Olivia is a lot like Jamie from the Joe Rogan experience, if you're familiar with that. Are you? Honestly, I despite it being like the most popular podcast and show in the media space, I never really watch or listen to much of Joe Rogan stuff beyond like clips I see on socials, you know? Too busy watching reruns of something that I don't know. Here it is. Um, Producer Afron told me to do this in case anyone has a problem with it. Um, So if you scroll up a little bit, you see that I posted. I just said, if anyone's got any questions, here's David Menzies' video about Patrick Brown. In case you want to be aware. At least, you know, like 18 people were. Pat myself on the back. And then this guy says they're not doing journalism. They're on payroll by Pierre Polyev's campaign. Mm. I have a feeling that might come back to, he might want to delete that one. to go. Yeah. That sounds like it's a little bit of libelous to me. Because we are not. I criticize, personally criticize Pierre Polyev all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if he's, uh, uh, what's going on there, Dakota? But you he's are not a paying me. Polyev <laughs> puppet Andrew, you are just that rhymes. The strings it must are be being true. pulled. Um, Polyevpuppet.com. How, how much? Excuse me, uh, Andrew. How much is Pierre Polyev paying you? Just the dollar figure, please. How much? Um, you know, well, I think for every Canadian that uh, it's best if we build cricket factories and uh, mm. the largest cricket. Just factory. the dollar figure, please. Um, the cricket factory is mainly As for you pet can see, food. He is being paid by the Pierre Polyev campaign. He refuses proteins, to give me the dollar figure. Proteins. Uh, we just need the it's cricket protein. Are we ready for our break? Send it away. Take it away, Mike Walden. That's a Super Dave Osborne reference before probably everyone's time. Yeah. You know, Dakota, I'm reminded mm. of a time when 
somebody messaged me and told me that our barbecue rebellion t-shirt was a product of Satanism and uh, numerology and everything and that all the letters mm. in the t-shirt equaled up to like 666 or something nice. and that we properly planned that. They have like a full diagram breakdown. They did. Yeah, that's great. It's the like, numerology it's like, you know, thing. like I've seen those on like the monster can where it's like the breakdown. Right. Oh, this is all the symbols of Satan, but that's great to see. It's Adam always Skelly. a specific phrase and if you change it a little bit, it doesn't make any sense, but it's always got to be the specific phrase. Reminds me of the number 23, the movie. Mm. Uh, probably your favorite movie, but truck, <laughs> not trucker rebellion, farmerrebellion.com um, is where we're going to be posting all of our stuff with the Dutch. I don't know what you want to call it. I guess just a rebellion, but mm. we're seeing videos where they're blocking airport entrances, um, setting fire to hay bales on the highway, yeah. all the classic stuff that they've, you know, come to be. Well, I, I don't believe they burned anything in Canada besides churches. Yeah. And that wasn't the farmers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But roadway stoppages, even uh, port stoppages, what is your immediate reaction to this, Dakota? And let me pose it, make it the question even more difficult to you. What is your reaction to somebody who would say, just like they said about Coots and the border here, that they're saying that this is not the proper way to go about things. You can't shut mm -hmm. down commerce because of your political opinion. What's your opinion on that? Okay, well, first to set the scene as to what's going on here with the Dutch Please. protest. Because I, I'm by no means an expert on the topic, okay. but basically the basics of what's going on is it's in protest of these green and net zero policies. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the... Uh, the justification for these absurd policies that are being pushed onto these farmers that are forcing them to like, you know, it's causing them issues with not being able to use certain fertilizers and having them to, you know, like basically kill off their livestock and not be able to produce as much food. Basically, their livelihoods mm -hmm. and the economy is already being strangled by the Dutch government right now, which is all sort of inspired by these World Economic Forum policy uh, pushes, essentially. And so when you say, oh, well, going at like uh, blocking critical infrastructure and stopping uh, the, you know, the economy, that's not good. That's what's happening in the first place here is these farmers who, you know, as we always say, farmers are the backbone of America. They bring food to your table, Andrew. Well, these farmers uh, across all the Netherlands are being strangled and basically their economy is kind of being strangled by these insane policies that are, I would say, are egregious enough to justify this essentially, it's an uprising. This is a full on revolt from this, you know, working class rebellion in a similar fashion to we saw that we saw here in Canada. But this is to the next level. This is like another degree of desperation. They're not just going and parking their trucks on the city streets of Ottawa to make a statement. They are like actually rising up. And we see insane footage of the response from police and officials mm -hmm. here. And this is like, like I are saying, it's a full on uprising, full on rebellion. It's crazy to see. We've got some of the footage here for you. And I'd like to point out, we're talking about Pierre. Pierre would be against these blockages. He was against the blockage for, and I'm not telling you to be for or against it. I'm just informing you that Pierre Polyev was against the blocking of the border um, in Alberta and Ontario. He was okay for some reason. It's okay to block a city in Ottawa. That was, he, you know, was for, had his hand forced into supporting that. So shutting down a city, bad, or I mean good, Shutting down a border, bad, because Doug, now Doug Ford and the governor of New York are involved. So mm -hmm. we got to put a stop to that. So I would have to imagine to be consistent, Pierre Polyev is going to say nothing about this because to be consistent, he would have to be against all this stuff. And if we bring up that article Lewis wrote again, I'd just like to read some of the statistics they had there um, regarding what the restrictions on these farmers would be. The Dutch government's proposal could see the decimation of the country's agricultural sector through a plan to reduce nitrogen emissions 
which is estimated to produce around 40% of the country's total nitrogen emissions. That would be the farming industry. Livestock farming makes up a large share of the Netherlands agriculture industry, and a proposal to reduce the number of livestock has become a hot issue. And of course, this goes in line with the 2030 agenda people talk a lot about, which is now only eight years away, Dakota. So some of these mm. countries who may have been slacking on Klaus's uh, suggestions have to really accelerate, keyword accelerate, mm. um, things towards their green energy um, goals. And Christy Freeland's doing it. Mm. Um, the Brits are going to be doing it harder and faster soon, I think, once these people who, you know, their liberal lights, like Boris and them, are getting out. Um, I think they'll replace them with more compliant leaders. Mm. And we're seeing it in Australia as well, where they say um, climate change is racist and sexist as well, so we have to battle it even more so. So they're really accelerating it here, and the Dutch uh, people seem to be taking the brunt of it. So, you know, they're putting farm equipment in front of airport entrances. Let's play some of this footage, Olivia. Mm -hmm. We've got, that's the bales of hay I was referencing referencing being burned on the highway um everybody just passing by and because it, it seems like they're not going to stand for it like they're going to cut off it sounds like 30 to 40 percent of their job and their production um and people are going to suffer and there's going to be shortages you saw you've seen shortages in the united states but what the, what they're doing there is it's a smaller country. They're just going to push it through harder and faster. It's not mm -hmm. as easy to push things through hard and fast in the United States. Um, in Canada, they see no need to, I feel like. They'll just do it at their own pace. Um, yeah. we got our cricket factory here in Ontario. We'll just do it over a short, short period of time, like 10 years, and uh, Canada will just deal with it. But in places like the Netherlands and in Europe, they're going to push it through uh, as fast as they want or can because there's traditionally in the last decade hasn't been as much you know resistance to these left-wing ideologies so it's not that easy to do it in places like america where there are guns whereas in france where they put it through and they had to deal with the yellow vest resistance mm -hmm. um even though that's what they voted for now in the netherlands they're going to see what the canadian police saw is that you can't just grab uh, seven women you hired fight for diversity no offense to them it's not their fault but uh, they're not going to be able to lift up these big stacks of hay off the highway. Mm -hmm. And just like in Canada, they're going to see that you you need a special tow truck to tow away uh, mm -hmm. large farming vehicles and trucks and stuff like that, Dakota. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely insane. Like you're saying, like with shortages, that's kind of the thing on top of this. It's not just, oh, no, the farmers are hurting with their own jobs and livelihood. And like this is something that would affect literally every single person in the country and anyone who does trade and business with them as far as they'd be basically throttling their food production and you know it would have a ripple effect throughout everything while well, we're already dealing with so many ripple effects from you know as biden likes to call it putin's price hike and uh you know the ukraine russia war going on and all the oil issues and all the supply chain crisis and already crazy inflation and shortages and supply chain stuff it's just this is all kind of coming to a head with these insane government policies going on in the netherlands so yeah, people are rising up. I'm not, again, I'm not going to necessarily condone it. Like I'm no expert in, in the issue. I don't know all of the particulars and I'm not actually there on the ground. But you know what? It seems to me like these farmers are putting their foot down. A line has been crossed, Andrew, I will say. And uh, seems like some crazy stuff is going on over there. Well, it seems to me that it should be apparent to most people now that this is on purpose by governments. 
Um, they no longer care for compliance to get green energy legislation pushed through. They just say, we're going to do it without pushing the legislation through, or we're going to take what we already have and take it to the ext most extremes as we can. We have Christy Freeland saying, this is a reminder of why mm. a climate change action is so important. So they're, they're forcing this stuff through. They don't care about the gas prices being high. They don't care about cost of living being high. As long as they're doing what their superiors want them to do, and whether that's a giant green energy corporation from China who produces solar panels, because that's what it's going to do, whether it's um, MasterCard, whether it's Microsoft, these companies that are gigantic and have a lot of influence and power, and Google, who participate in these World Economic Forum meetings, they're going to get the job done for them no matter what. It doesn't exactly matter to them because they don't actually care about their country. Now, why would I suggest that? Because they talk about all the time how horrible their country is. If Justin Trudeau is going to get up there and say Canada is a racist, dangerous country with people dropping dead all over the place that hates its native population, then you think he actually like loves the country that he lives in? Do you think a resident communist in uh, New Zealand loves her country that she says is a colonialist uh, horde of terrible people who do terrible things and she doesn't have to answer any question. You think she actually cares about making her country better? No, it's always been about making this global government, this global thing. And 20 plus years ago, it used to be this conspiracy about, you know, the global thing. And we're going to make the Amero, like the North American version of the, the Euro. And it's all about a global government. And we, I don't know about you, Dakota, but we would get taught in schools about how great globalization is for trade mm -hmm. and how we don't need to have borders and how Europe doesn't need to have borders because it's so cool. You can just travel anywhere, bro. Yeah. And how uh, Canada, Australia, Kanzuk, and you should, you can just travel anywhere, bro. That's all it's about. But really, it's about a certain amount of people who are unelected making decisions that line their pockets and therefore they don't have to answer to anybody like the European Union, like the World Economic Forum, like the WHO. Get these international accords in order, like the Paris Climate Accord. It makes China money, it makes India money, uh, but it doesn't make anybody else any money. And they don't care about that because they're sitting atop some sort of ivory tower that doesn't have a flag upon it, unless it's like a UN flag or a gay pride flag with added chevrons mm -hmm. and, some, and Ukraine colors. We can't forget yeah. that dakota i think it's just the world economic forum flag is just all those put together that's right it should just be a giant square let's play christia freeland here uh being evil to put it lightly from my perspective this price increase in in fuel costs is a reminder of why climate action is so important and why as a country we have to work even harder and move even faster towards a green economy. It's an insurance policy oh, against see. higher energy prices. From so you my have to pay more money so that you can save money. Yeah, like, and well, I think also the context for that, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, it was like a Sikh trucker who's asking this, or it was someone in the media, but mm -hmm. it was, I don't know, some, something was related to the truckers, and I think he was Sikh. Anyway, that's not particularly relevant, but it was, it's just, I find it so interesting that, like, so, uh, Deputy Minister and Finance Minister, we're really struggling right now with gas prices. What are you going to do about it? Oh, yeah, during a press conference, Brampton Shipping Company, okay, that's what it was, Red FM reporter. Ooh, uh, yeah, okay, high fuel prices. And so 
basically, yeah, like, you know, we're suffering under these high fuel prices. What are you going to do? Well, I think it's just really important that uh, this just underscores why it's so important to implement our climate policies. It's like, well, okay, like, what are you going to do for me? I'm suffering right now, paying high fuel prices. Like, well, no, you're meant to suffer. And let me explain to you why your suffering is good for you yeah. and how it's going to serve you. And uh, it just really helps to light the fire under you that you need to get with uh, not driving your truck and doing your job. I mean, like, are we going to have Tesla climate, uh, Tesla, uh, you know, electric trucks yeah. driving up on the down the streets in the tomorrow? Like until they start giving Teslas to you for 10 grand and the government's paying the rest, even though that would still be your own money going towards it. Like they tried having this huge rebate for electric cars in Ontario for years and it didn't work. They mm. uh, Doug Ford, who's the greatest premier of all time in terms of, you know, caring about you, got together with Justin Trudeau and made an uh, electric car plant. I mean, they're not, they're forcing everything. The market is not demanding electric vehicles at this point because everything else is so much more expensive. And mm. all these things, they've decided to push all these things through at the same time. And once you say that you don't care about people being poor and this is all good for them, then what can't you put through? put through economically you mm -hmm. can put th force people to buy electric card you can say that and make have gas be so high it's not affordable because you can say who cares just buy an electric car and it'll be better you could say who cares about carbon tax we're going to get to these goals whether you like it or not the government acts as its own lobbying and own activist groups for what the people in the government want to do and they have mm -hmm. lost sight of any connection with regular people and this is conservatives as well pierre is the best you're going to get in the mainstream politicians but he's not the best you're going to get in terms of politics in general but what the conservative party does is they look to what reactions they get instead of putting through things that they may or may not individually think is the right idea mm -hmm. they govern by way of what do the liberals uh, say to us what does twitter say to us what do people that we pay to tell us say to us they don't look to what people say to us whereas the liberals say we don't even care about any of that we right. care about what we think and then their leaders say we don't care about what anybody thinks because this is how we want to run the world because this makes makes us the most money so you've got this, you know, slippery slope where it's like, okay, you got these people at these top, the top of these huge corporations, and then they feed something down to Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden, for example, and then their politics, you know, they're really bad, according to myself, but then it slides down a little bit to the conservative party where they're just like, well, we can't be quite like them because we think their stuff is bad, but we can't stray too far from it either, or else they're not going to deal with us, and the people online are not going to deal with us, and the Jimmy Fallons and the James Cordons and whomever else, and CBC and TVO aren't going to deal with us. So it goes down and down and down. And what does that happen? And what happens from that is the slippery slope of policies where five years ago, the liberals were so bad for doing that. But now they've gotten so much worse that it's OK that we now adopt these positions from five years ago because it doesn't seem as bad. But we still want to be able to play ball. We still want to get into the into the um, the press gallery and everything. We yeah. still want everybody to be our friend. And but most of all, they want to be liked by mainstream media. I don't know why, Dakota. I don't know why people care about being liked by these political nerds. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the guy who kicked out Alexa and, and Lincoln and Menzies from mm. uh, leading the conservative party events. 
Yeah. I forget his name too, that's but that's cool. what comes to mind. And why do you want to be friends with these people at these mainstream outlets? Like, yeah. there's some nice people there. You've got some nice people at the Toronto Sun, and you've got some nice people at other outlets, maybe like Global or something, or CTV. I don't know of any of them, but I, I'm sure there's some decent people there just trying to get into the mm -hmm. industry and produce some videos and stuff like that. But it's not like they're, one, they're not cool people. They're not interesting, mm -hmm. but they're not smart, Dakota. I'm mm -hmm. sorry to tell you, but we're like year, five years down the road now here where we have to pretend like these people have oh we these people that hate us are are actually good people they don't just want to send you to jail and censor you online and ruin your life and destroy the economy but they're still nice people no they're just yeah. a lot of them are not that intelligent and that's what you have to understand is it's like a baseball team when you've got mm -hmm. jeff zucker formerly of cnn picking his team and making his draft picks he's picking uh, what's his face? Don Lamone. He's picking uh, Brian Stelter. These are this what this guy thinks is a good person to put on television. So when you've got people, the Toronto Star, saying, "Let's have our race and gender reporter, and let's have this person who reports on nonsense daily and calls everything racist," these are the people who are in charge of picking these people. And either you think they're doing it for evil reasons, or they're just not that intelligent, Dakota. And I'm and we're years, like I said, down the river here where I have to, to read all these things online every day and it gets funneled down to me. And it's like, who are you? And CBC's mm -hmm. covering the conservative election and the Ontario election. And we've got a billion dollars. We've got holograms and stuff. We've got graphics coming out of our at our face in 3D ways. And you've got six people on a panel that you've never heard of. And mm -hmm. they're telling you about crap that even a 13-year-old will think is dumb or a 13-year-old yep. with gr green hair is writing in their essay on the weekend. And you're just like, oh, these are respectable people, even though they're saying I should be in jail and that I'm a terrorist. And and, and it goes through all of these outlets. And I don't know what the solution is yet, Dakota, but I'm mm -hmm. going to tell you that the stuff that people are doing in the Netherlands, if anything, it should tell the pop the, the politicians that maybe we need to start listening to people, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. I think they're going down with the ship. Yeah, I think go back to that whole preamble there. It's like, it's the shifting of the Overton window, right? It's like yes. everything is all perpetually shifting left and the conservatives keep playing game and they keep shifting left. Like you're saying, putting in policies that five years ago were, you know, considered like just, you know, pretty far to the left are now just like, oh yeah, that's, you know, a nice reasonable, moderate centrist thing. So we can play ball with that and we can still call that conservative. And there's just, it's, there's zero principle, no matter what side you're on here. Uh, and if there's an issue that you want to gain political capital from, it's all just complete virtue signaling. There are no real solutions to actual problems. And it's all just agendas and ideologies and gaining political points. And so, yeah, it's, it's just tough to really have that principle. And there's this disconnect between voters and between politicians. And people aren't even speaking the same language anymore when it comes to this sort of stuff. So I think it's like there's just such a disconnect between people themselves, like top to bottom and side to side. And I think we just need more people to push past these sort of artificial barriers mm -hmm. we've thrown up, actually have logical, rational, long-form discussions about issues, find where we actually have common ground, because there is so much more common ground than we realize, I think. And it, it takes something like these things, like the trucker rebellion or the farmer rebellion, all that sort of things, for people to sort of wake up a little bit, I think, and kind of realize, oh, yeah, we agree at least on some issues a little more. And of course, the media try to demonize these things as much as possible and use them as wedge issues. But yeah, I feel like when people are able to just sit down and actually discuss things and are able to get, you know, 
able to engage with uh, politicians on things that people actually care about and not just be spouting virtuistic talking points or to be saying, oh yes, I care so much about the saving our planet and our climate and this is an emergency and I'm gonna do this for all humanity so you're all going to give me all of your money and give me all the power and I'm gonna save you, I'm going to do the impossible but because I say it's possible, I will do it if you just give me enough money and power. And so, you know, and people just believe it and it's all virtuistic and uh, yeah, we kind of work ourselves into a mess here, so. Well, if people want examples, just look at Patrick Brown, just look what he does. He doesn't care that p things are locked down and he'll go break the rules anyways. He'll hire uh, tons of security to make sure everybody's, you know, compliant. And then he'll go and get people um, who may or may not be working on company out on city hours to work on his campaign. You look mm. at person who is working with him, Michelle Rempel Garner. She got out. She's an example of one of these people that has the the, the slippery slope of an Overton window that you can throw a beach ball through. When she's mm -hmm. saying uh, how toxic and white the Conservative Party is, and then you got Aaron O'Toole who thinks that it's amazingly important to walk around in high heels and make sure that he's giving his wife mm. a drink because people were offended that she gave him a drink. <laughs> that and was then, so funny. You know, these are the people that are in these parties. And I'm worried, Dakota, that even if you get uh, a Pierre Polyev in government, if he's the best choice, even though I think Rowan Baber is probably a better choice than him, you get these people. Aaron O'Toole is still going to be there. Michelle Rempel Garner is still going to be there. They have as much power as any person in their position has and their influence is still there unless yeah. they completely back off and be like i'm just going to collect my paycheck they're mm -hmm. still able to feed their ideas enough to the point where patrick brown was in like the top three running mm -hmm. with like social justice girl and his sneaky patrickisms yeah. and they're and they still got a ton of support in his city yeah well here's the thing i see with the conservative leadership race is that those people are still there the issue most up until recently was the fact that those people like aaron o'toole actually was sitting in the top spot making those calls. Mm -hmm. And my biggest gripe with Canada's current political system is our party whip system, where it's just like you have these handful of leaders sitting on top of these parties who are making the calls, and every single member of the party has to toe the line, toe the party line, do what the leader says, or else you just get kicked out of the party if you speak your mind. And so it's like we have this false democracy sort of going mm -hmm. on where it's like, oh, we're having this debate, but this debate is just me shouting the talking points that I've been handed for the party. And if I step outside the line here, think independently as a sitting member of parliament who should be accountable to the people I represent, not to my party leader, then we just have these sort of artificial kind of Yeah, it's like party a monarchy within the party. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, if you take the most hopeful view of someone like Pierre Polyev, if you, if you think he could be someone who would be principled and would pull the party in their direction, good. But even best case, say he does that, like how much change can you do until the next election cycle when, you know, if you get a good leader in and that good leader's voted out, it's like, all right, well then what next? So well, that's why there are arguments for the US system, albeit mm. a two party system. When somebody gets in, they can actually get stuff done. Um, thanks for watching us ramble on here. Yeah, you know. um, I think we're very intelligent people, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, we wanna show this video. We're talking about all these stupid global policies and this one comes from Australia. Let's show this video, Olivia, and then let's go into an ad break right after that. So let's full screen that. And uh, we'll talk to you on the other side about eating bugs. Uh, we'll talk to you in a moment. This is a, a woman in Australia talking about the consequences of climate change on, you know, your gender. Mm -hmm. Climate affects us all. We thank the panelists for their insights. As we confront the climate crisis, women and girls, human rights, must be at the centre of our collective efforts. 
Climate change and its consequences can exacerbate the risk of sexual and gender-based violence. This risk is most acute for women and girls facing multiple and intersecting forms of discrimination and inequality, including Indigenous women and girls. Australia is committed to achieving gender equality and eliminating sexual and gender-based violence, including during emergencies. Australia is providing funding to train disaster responders to identify and support women and girls experiencing family and domestic violence during and after natural disasters. We stand with Pacific women and girls in responding to the climate crisis, including by providing negotiator training to support women delegates from Pacific Island countries to represent their countries in international climate change meetings. Women and girls in all their diversity must be able to live their lives free of violence. Realising women's and girls' human rights is an important part of securing the future of our planet and a better future for us all. Australia would welcome the panellists' views on good practices addressing violence against women and girls in the context of climate change and the Women, Peace and Security Agenda. will revolutionize everything. One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. Making the overused and often ill-used adage, this time is different. Simply put, major technology innovations are on the brink of fueling momentous change throughout the world. In the four short years since, Technology progressed and moved impressively fast. AI is now all around us, from drones and voice recognition to virtual assistants and translation software. Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned, we don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. Our mobile devices have become a permanent and integral part of our personal and professional lives, helping us on many different fronts, anticipations, our needs, listening to us and locating us, even when asked not to do so. I cannot wait till the time we sign Keanu Reeves for our docu-series. That or uh, Lawrence Fishburne. You know, yeah, he'd be cool. You know, he used to go by Larry Fishburne in the early when 90s, I noticed. And then I didn't know that. At some point, he wanted to be more professional, I guess, if Larry's unprofessional. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, we're talking about eating bugs, Dakota Christensen, mm -hmm. as we all know and love. And this is a very great reset -y, uh episode of Rebel News Livestream. Rebelnews.com slash livestream, to be completely mm -hmm. honest, is where you would find the best link. And, of course, we must reiterate that you can ask us anything you want um, through a Rumble rant or a Odyssey hyper chat. Mm -hmm. And they do that with some crypto. I forget which crypto they use. 
Yeah, for uh, for Odyssey. Yeah, I think libraries. What they Library. Call yes. Libraries. I see TVs. Dakota Christensen. I mean, that's you. TVs. Lincoln Jay's walking into the studio. He's got lots of great things to say. Maybe he's doing stuff that you should be paying attention to. I don't know. But mm. uh, I'd t keep it locked to Lincoln's Twitter in the mm. coming days. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But uh, Nicole Kidman and her talents, I mean, let's be honest. She is a praying mantis of some kind. Mm. And yeah. uh, she's promoting the bug eating. And I also watched um, a clip of James Corden and uh, Anna Ferris were eating bugs on his show. You know, there's nothing James Corden won't shill for. Um, and yeah. then probably any really... Any late night host is willing to do whatever they're told. Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Stephen Colbert top the list, I think, on that. James Corden mm -hmm. kind of does it with a jollier mood. But he's eating bugs. He's saying yeah. cockroaches taste great. Now we have Nicole Kidman saying how great uh, these worms are. You can see she doesn't want to eat more than one in this video we're about to show. But, you know, Vanity Fair gets the money funneled to them from somewhere, I'm sure. And I'm pretty sure Nicole Kidman doesn't just come on a huge channel. They've got a big YouTube channel, Vanity Fair. Mm. I'm pretty sure she doesn't just come on here and as like a 50 or 60-year-old woman and just agree to eat bugs for no reason when there's no way she's eating them on her own time ever mm. in her life. I don't know. You're calling her a praying mantis. You're saying it's a bug-eat-bug well, world out there? Just because she's just like... You know, she's all fingers and nails, I feel like. It's fair. It's and fair. she's acting like it's delicious because they want you to eat the bugs. Like this they've always been they've been pushing the bugs for the last two years, Dakota, but now it's just like let's put it on talk shows and let's put it on big YouTube channels and see how great the bug eating is. Let's play this. I'm Nicole Kidman and I am going to eat a so whole elegant the way she eats worms. That could that might not even have been her. I am here to reveal my hidden No, I mean when they zoom in on the picking everything up. Hornworms. They're Like what if that's just a gummy worm they gummy worm they've replaced it with? Extraordinary. Delicious. Yeah, sure. Very moist. That's why you had just one. Can't quite describe the flavor, but you know once they stop filming, she's like, This is disgusting. I can't believe it. It's probably the same cut as the first one. Just a little side note. Two billion people in the world eat bugs. Who do they get with this, do you think, Dakota? Here we go. Because Nicole Kidman isn't some so young buddy actress on The Bachelorette or Pretty Little Liars, if that's still a show. <sighs> yeah, like, I, I feel like this is even just a reference point. Like, I can imagine someone writing up an article telling you to eat the bugs. Like, just like Nicole Kidman on this one Vanity Fair thing. Yeah, exactly. Hyperlink. Like, Crickets yeah. are the most popular one, as we saw. See, like, she can't even... Hold a straight face when she's eating that. Out the wing. Does um, that catch you, Andrew? No. She's, like I said, rather skeletal. Um, she hasn't been in a movie that I cared for in probably like 30 years, if then. Was she Catwoman? No, that was Michelle Pfeiffer. Because she thinks that things that were attractive to people about her a hundred years ago are still relevant because people around her are still telling her that she's beautiful. I mean, she doesn't look her age, but she's also wearing a lot of makeup and has lots of plastic surgery. You can tell her nothing around her cheeks actually move and her eyes. Yeah. She looks so fake. So I'm guessing this is going to go to push towards the people who are just hyper uh, celebrity, you know, feasting up that stuff on Snapchat, on Instagram, like it's the greatest content in the world right after they go on OnlyFans and right before um, what's something else that they do. So I, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm right before 
they watch the same thing over and over on Netflix, which there more normal people do. So I'm not going to condemn it that much. There yeah. you go. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, when it comes to eating the bugs, like I got no problem with people want to eat bugs, eat the bugs. Like, if, and if you want to promote eating bugs, promote eating the bugs. Like, you know, and if, if that's a if that's what the market chooses, you know, I'm not going to I don't care if you eat beef or if you eat bugs or, you know, promoting whatever. But uh, it's when you start forcing people to eat the bugs, when you start telling them, you know, we're going to regulate excessively all these other foods and like have perverse government incentives so that you don't eat meat and eat bugs instead. Like, well, they're going to do it to, you know, say that they're fighting climate change, but also the margins on bug meat compared to beef are, must be astronomical. You, mm. What is this? Bug pizza looks like. Is it producer really a bug pizza? Why oh, would yeah. you do this to us? Oh, oh, let's see what sort of bugs there are on there. That's, that's I can't see so too disgusting. Well. Those crickets or those worms. I mean, honestly, you throw anything on a nice slab of dough, put some cheese on it and sauce. You know, it's probably, you know, a little crunch in there. Like I would try, but like you give me different types of foods, with bugs in it. Like I'll give it a try just to be adventurous, just for fun. You know, Why that's what not, China Andrew? wants, Dakota. You know what? I'll give it a shot. Bug eating no problem. On TikTok. You know what? Protein is protein. All is right. it? <laughs> You take your but, soybeans uh, out of here, young man. You know what? I got no problem eating a little tofu. Uh, you should. It's terrible for the environment. That's soybean. Yeah. Well, again, I, I I just said you know whether it's soybeans or whether it's bugs or whether it's beef. You know what? I I'm not. I'm just thinking like, sure, it's food. I'll eat it. But uh, it's just when you start pushing different stuff, when it's like, all right, the government tells you now beef is bad, this other stuff is bad. You know, but eat your bugs, kids. Like, no. I'm hoping screw the. You. Uh, the Muslim contingent in Canada says no to this because mm. are bugs halal? That's an excellent question. Are bugs kosher? I would love to know. Um, social media guru Yakov Pollock, I'd like you to answer me by tweeting at me or something by letting us know if bugs can be kosher. And this isn't mm. an, meant to be an insult. I really just want to know because I'm hoping yeah. that these religions will say, no, we can't eat that stuff. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm very curious because, you know, a lot of the, the sort of mentality around those religious you know, like eating restrictions, like, oh, you can't eat this because it's unclean. Like exactly. these animals are considered unclean. And I can't think of anything that seems more unclean to me an than an earthworm. Something is literally roll, like, you know, pigs roll around in the mud, so to speak. But uh, these things literally burrow through the ground. There's nothing more dirty than a bug. So Did you know that if when pigs go into, oh, well, we got something, fruits and vegetables by nature are kosher. Sure. Insects are not. Good. Nice. I'm glad. That's fine. Where is it, when was this uh, printed? What's the date That's on this? question. All right. So it's probably free from some political bias here. So I'm happy to hear that. Nice. But uh, that's just one website. We'll have to get uh, sure. we'll have to get confirmation from Yankee. Mm. But um, you know, I learned recently that pigs. Once you return them to the wild, let's say you got a farm yep. pig, a big fat pig. Once it goes into the wild, it's one of the only, or maybe the only, but one of the only animals that actually starts physically changing before your eyes into mm. a wild animal. The tusks start to come out. The snout mm. starts to come out. The fur starts to come out. Interesting. Yeah. Now you can go and hunt it. Wild boar hunting. Sounds fun. It probably it's tastes just like some sort of smoked ham, if I had to guess. Mm. And did you know they also know that pork belly and bacon are just almost the same thing? They're from the same area? Yeah, pretty well. It's different forms of cooking. Yeah. Yeah. You're learning a lot here about bugs and pigs. Bugs, Pete. On the know, Rebel News all Live. The meats, <laughs> the proteins, kids. Uh, and we were yeah. our own Joe Rogan experience here. We are. Justin Trudeau um, slipped up once again. And, hmm. you know, Dakota, 
like I said, five years down the line, maybe five, six, seven years go on. It's like, oh, he's just making a, a regular mess up with his language. Yeah. Um, but at this point, no benefit of the doubts given to Justin Trudeau. He's not in blackface in this video, which is rare for him. So let's just go ahead and hear his little slip up here. Yeah, great clip. Uh, or whether it's our most uh, recent initiative on uh, banning, uh, sorry, on freezing uh, the market for firearms, uh, which will uh, start moving us in the right so direction far. over the medium the and long rolled term. Up. Dakota, he's uh, still these are things hard. that you all had you. voices in. And I'm Slippery really excited slope, Dakota. About, uh, they are slowly getting rid of guns as best they can about, because uh, how we continue my parallel from earlier. Australia, because they're just giving yes, up their guns right away. They're, you know, assault weapon claim no buyback and anything but farmers. Um, they gave it up right away. Mm -hmm. Canada, it's not quite as easy. So they have to go step by step. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's a plan over a certain amount of years. Yeah. And as long as they're in power, they're going to keep going towards that plan. And what have the conservatives done exactly to mm -hmm. stop gun rights from being stripped away and gun restrictions? Um, Literally nothing. Like, for going back to Aaron O'Toole, he campaigned when he was running for leader of the Conservative Party that he was going to repeal the Justin Trudeau ordering council that banned the list of 1,500 firearms, making them illegal overnight. And that was actually just after the mass shooting in Nova Scotia. And there's a whole scandal right now that information for that investigation was intentionally leaked by the RCMP in order to further that liberal gun banning agenda. But Aaron O'Toole, Aaron O'Toole campaigned saying that he would repeal that and he's going to fight against this and he's, you know, not going to punish legal firearms owners. And then when it came to election time, it was like, oh, um, actually, we're not going to change a single thing that Justin Trudeau did because uh, we don't want to do that because that's controversial. So Aaron uh, O'Toole, I think. See, you said what you really thought too there. Just like Justin Trudeau, yeah. really think that Aaron I, O'Toole. I is a think cool that guy. Uh, if we could just throw up an image of Aaron O'Toole on the screen for a moment, I just in high <laughs> heels, please. I just think that uh, his you know lovely shining porcelain head um, and his general agedness for uh, his actual age and and just that countenance upon him. He's what like <laughs> not even fifty, is he? And like, you know, I don't know. He looks pretty old for his age, I think. He looks older there. I think he's just the spinning image of, look at that. Does that not scream cool? The little, Your little, friends you know, at McLean's magazine. He just, that is cool, Andrew. How do you not want to be him? Is now not let's your hero? type in Simpsons Homer Shino Ballo um, for when Homer sticks his head oh, in the bowling man. ball shining machine. Ah. It's almost Aaron O'Toole. If Aaron almost. O'Toole shaved his head. I mean, how did nobody come up with, like the liberal staffers need to pay me for propaganda purposes oh my god he's paying for what he paid by the liberals um i would come up with genius things but of course mm. i don't think they want to appear to be so mean um yeah. homer simpson aaron o'toole photos next to each other shining their head maybe too mean i mean you can't help going bald i mean i'm not going to say that uh, that's something you should insult somebody for because most of the time people don't choose to be bald but aaron o'toole i mean We'll just we'll call it a, a hair levy instead of mm, yeah it's, it's not a, it's not hairlessness it's just a, a levy on hair exactly uh, carbon um, reference looks like we're not we're not finding it yeah, my efforts for googling were not uh, my words okay. were not good enough I don't I mean, think 
to go back to that uh, that Trudeau slip up on the Gandhi because you're saying it's like oh it's a slippery slope like mm-hmm. I'll hear some people say like oh this one like like for example in the states like oh they want to raise the age to purchase firearms for uh, you know to 21 which honestly I'm behind like you know for like if you're supposed to be 21 to drink alcohol sure you should be 21 to buy a firearm that's not our age for alcohol no I'm, I'm saying I'm talking about the states right oh, now okay. I just said I just said like you know in the states I'm talking and there's sort of that, <laughs> that slippery slope argument of oh well they raise a firearm the rage to per- the, the age to purchase firearms at 21 then they're gonna ban this then this and it's a slippery slope but in canada it's not even like that it's literally trudeau saying our efforts to to ban i mean freeze and even after he corrects himself and says freeze which is going to help us to keep moving in the right direction towards you know banning all right firearms like he just you know as he carries on that sentence he's already saying exactly what he's intending because we need to keep moving in this direction of progress for gun safety of removing it like it's just so clear what his agenda is he's not trying to hide it uh and it just i don't know it's it's i'm surprised there isn't more pushback on that because i feel like so many people know even if you're in favor of more gun safety as opposed to gun rights it's like so clear all these arbitrary rules aren't doing anything effective i don't get why there isn't more like people yelling questions at him ever like even joe biden is like he he can't get away from questions sometimes. In the United States, you ans- you ask the president questions. In Canada, it's like we don't want to upset the prime minister, mm-hmm. so we can't ask him anything. And it's probably because everything's left wing. There's no, you know, mm-hmm. even a Fox or even a Newsmax that's allowed in there because they just say, um, you guys are too evil to come in here. So anybody who's mean can't come and ask his questions. But even of Doug Ford, he gets upset when you ask him a question. Jagmeet just... I don't know. He lets people ask him questions. He just laughs and just doesn't really respond. But like the nobody asks Justin Trudeau actual questions. Like Christy Freeland got one question and there's no follow up to be like, how come you're so full of shit, basically? (laughs) And it's like, Like, where is any of this? And and then there's like whether you believe in the election integrity or not, it's happening and people are voting for Justin Trudeau a lot. You hear the excuses of he's doing the best he can. The whole East Coast voted for him and then yeah. half of Ontario. And it's just like what – if you don't actually have to hear any of these conversations play out, then you're never going to get to the answer because it's clear a lot of these people aren't looking for the answer themselves. So you have to get the politicians to actually articulate their views. And if somebody was just asked Justin Trudeau, what is it that you eventually – what's your end goal here? So what are you moving towards? What's this thing you're moving towards? Do you want an all ban on guns? What's your actual stance on this? There's no press secretary even involvement. Like in the mm-hmm. U.S. also, you have, if you don't have access to the president all the time, you have the press secretary, what's her face, Jean-Pierre and Jen Psaki before her, mm-hmm. coming up and they have to actually answer questions. They might not do it well. Um, the newest one is terrible. Jen Psaki was terrible. But this one's even worse than her. But at least you have a, place where this is supposed to be the president's opinion this person's supposed to reflect the administration and what they actually believe mm-hmm. where is the the campaign minister or the uh director of communications or the spokesperson or whatever you want to throw up there person 
answering questions on behalf of the Prime Minister. Mm. Why does this not happen daily? Do people not actually care? Maybe not. But does the press actually care? I don't think so at all, Dakota. No. I think they give way too much deference to politicians. I think that's a general attitude in Canada. Like we put them up on a pedestal. It's like they're kings on the throne. We can go up to them and maybe see if they'll be so gracious enough as to <laughs> bless us by answering a question. But it's like we don't actually care about the answers. Which, oh yeah, I asked them this question. And it's like, like, to use that example of asking Trudeau, so what is your end goal? Like, would you support a, an actual ban on firearms? Is that your agenda? And then he'd spout something, oh, well, I think it's just uh, so uh, important for all Canadians to uh, live safely from from guns and then just go on in some other random talking point. But yeah, like there's no real media accountability and there's no, you know, getting to the matter at hand of real essence and questions and actually trying to dig down and hold these people accountable because they're supposed to be servants of the public. But instead, we kind of flip it around here. We're a little, we're a little too, oh, Prince Trudeau, you of know, course. your highness. Let, I'm so graced to be in your presence. Would you be so kind as to maybe say something in response to one question of mine? Thank you, sir. And even Pierre has avoided debates because he doesn't want to have to ask or have to be uh, asked and answer the actual tough questions. He'll answer some things, but once they get to a certain level, you know he doesn't want yeah. to ask answer any questions about transgenderism or anything like that. Yeah, he just he wants don't. to say defund the CBC. And like, even though Jagmeet Singh has probably the worst views of all of them, um, like the least thought out, even if they are bad from Trudeau, he probably has thought about how he wants to ban guns. Yeah, Jagmeet's probably the one who's most likely to go on like a podcast and actually answer questions about something. And he's just not going to care because he knows he's never going to win. I mean, to be fair, props to Pierre, like you're saying, going on a podcast, like going on Jordan Peterson podcast. I thought that was pretty solid for like a long form sit down with someone who's going to ask direct questions and that. I mean, it also makes sense not, not to be a pure apologist here, but strategically, it's like I understand why he's not going to debates. He's such a clear front runner. Yeah. It's like why, you know, he's not risking anything. And that, uh, by just sitting back and not doing them. And he's risking everything by going to a debate and looking bad because he's already leading. And why bring up the controversial issues when he's already such a front runner? But Do you have a Jordan Peterson impression? I don't. I will say the best Jordan Peterson impression you can find on the internet. If we just go to YouTube, we I mean, we, we can do this now if we have the yeah, time let's or close not. On that. It's it's a thirty second clip, literally just YouTube Jordan Peterson impression SpongeBob, and it is my favorite Jordan Peterson impression. We can close on that clip. It's a thirty second clip we'll of someone on that. doing an impression of Jordan Peterson. It is so good. I think it's originally on TikTok. Um, yeah, it's a great video, great impression. Might be that top one. I think it's a, it should be the very first thing on YouTube. If you yeah, type it looks in like him. Jordan Peterson SpongeBob impression. Click on that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's okay. the one. Dakota Christensen, myself, Andrew Chapados, we are here. Um, we're queer. Get used to it. Don't clip that, Dakota. Wow. Um, RebelNews.com slash live streams is where you get your daily feed for all of your Rebel News live streams. we got tons of great coverage coming up. FarmerRebellion.com with Lewis Brackpool mm -hmm. and special guests that will be joining him. We can't tell you how or why or where, but they'll be dropping in from the ionosphere on mm -hmm. the Netherlands, on Amsterdam, to get you all that coverage there. And, of course, SneakyPatrick.com is where you can find the latest updates from Patrick Brown. That's a hot story right now. If you haven't mm -hmm. seen the David Menzies videos featuring Link and Jay on those videos, go watch them. Even Do if it. you're not from Ontario, even if you're not in this jurisdiction where you have to care about Patrick Brown um, and what he does, it's still entertaining as hell just because he's the worst politician mm -hmm. ever. And he's, he's trying to run as prime minister of the country. It's not yeah. just around here, too. So And he runs away. It's entertaining from start to finish. And, you know, David Menzies just beat, just defeats him. He's got to have a, a dartboard with David Menzies at home. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, we'll play this clip and probably 
uh, we want you to go to farmerrebellion.com as well as sneakypatrick.com. Thanks for watching, everybody. Queens Wave, Dakota? My finest. Please go to Farmer Rebellion. Square pants, of course. But what does that imply? Well, suppose you could say it implies that in order to survive aquatically as an inanimate bathtub object, one must equip highly angular trousers. No, it's like if you can carve out a living for yourself, preferably inside of a large tropical fruit, well, that's a bloody good start.